There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And it's almost Christmas. Can't believe it, how time time flies by. And I do hope you uh, enjoyed the show last week, if you had the opportunity to listen to it. Um, we talked about um, making uh, bikes go faster. Uh, and uh, I had Phil White and Anna Copico, uh, who were involved, and Phil was co-founder of Cervelo. And Cervelo um, made the coolest uh, of bikes and went on from, from 10 years ago, Oh, so 10 years when they started, uh, from building them in their garage uh, right the way through to their bikes winning the Tour de France, uh, the Olympics, winning uh, medals, um, uh, winning Ironman, world championships, etc. So it was wonderful to talk to Phil, and it was also fascinating. You know, that story was a, an amazing kind of success story of innovation and creativity and, and, and developing and disruption in the cycling market but at the end of the this uh, spell of owning the business they got into some difficulties with cash flow and things like that and loans and ended up selling the business to a, a bigger organization so we talk a little bit about that and those kind of challenges that you you have to go through when things get a little bit tough when cash gets tight but it was an amazing story so do go and check it out and there was a great book uh, which uh, is mentioned on the show, written by Anna Capico, which is about the Cervelo story, uh, and it's about uh, making um, bikes go faster. So do check that out. So I'm really delighted today to have the opportunity to welcome uh, somebody who's become a friend of mine, um, somebody that I really respect. He's uh, a real expert in his field, which is all about selling over the phone. And uh, clearly, if you're a salesperson or um, or you you find your, 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 yourself because it's your own business that you've got to have sales conversations over the phone. I say got to have it. Makes it sound like it's it's something um, <laughs> awkward to actually go about doing. Um, then Anthony is the man to really help you with that. So in fact, um, I, I trust Anthony so much that Anthony is helping myself and my um, my um, colleague john to much more effectively engage over the phone so he's the person that i go to uh, for help in this area and i've learned loads from talking to anthony over the years and i just thought it would be great to get him on the show and and back on the show because he was on four years ago to really discuss how to effectively build a better approach that helps you avoid rejection gets past the goalkeeper and helps you to perfect your pitch and enables you to build rapport really fast, just as he's doing for us right now, and with uh, with great great results. So Anthony Steers is the telephone assassin, assassin, and he says he's on a mission to get businesses talking again. Um, I think what I like about Anthony is he's very engaging. So you know the, what he does is help you have very authentic conversations, which I think is important too. Uh, and he soon found himself, he was in sales um, roles, and then he went on to, uh, he was doing marketing roles. He actually, at one point, was working for five different companies all at the same time. And after working closely with an NLP master trainer, he was able to teach people to, to begin to really, really fish for themselves in this area. And he began to run a telemarketing masterclass. Uh, he then went on to develop a selection of mini masterclasses, which uh, are on, on subjects like avoiding rejection, getting past the goal 
keep gatekeeper, perfect their pitch, build rapport faster. And he works with loads of organizations, with business owners, with sales departments, account managers, customer service teams. And you really, I think, what I love about Anthony is he helps you to create a clear structure, uh, uh, you know, an approach to follow in an authentic way while staying motivated. So actually, this whole area and this art of making a sort of perfect call uh, becomes something that you enjoy. And I think that's half the battle is just getting over the fear of actually doing it. Um, so Anthony, I think he doesn't teach people how to sell, I think, but he shows them really how to help their customers to buy. And I think that's what's uh, important and why I wanted Anthony to talk with you today and talk with me today. So, Anthony, just great to have you back on the show again. Huge welcome. Oh, hey, Chris, it's great to be back. I can't believe it's been four years. Uh, but yes, I'm really excited about today and uh, yeah, got hopefully got some useful stuff to share as well. Fantastic. Well, I, I don't think you've aged in those four years. I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. You're looking younger than ever, Chris. <laughs> um, but so what? We've we four years. I can't believe it. Since we last spoke, it, it's just incredible. What have you been doing with yourself? Uh, keeping myself busy and out of trouble. Um, so over the last four, four years, I suppose my business has changed a little bit. Um, I'm doing a bit more of the keynoting side of things, which I thoroughly enjoy, but I still like to roll up my steves and, and kind of get stuck into training and get on the phones with people as well at the end of the sessions, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, as you've mentioned, obviously, I'm working with yourself and John, but I, I'm, I'm doing a lot more one-to-one coaching with speakers or the heads of businesses really as well. Um, which I'm finding really interesting because obviously the training and coaching sort of one-to-one and groups is a very different style um, but yes very re- rewarding it's nice working one-on-one and, and and being there when somebody has that light bulb moment of oh my god it really is that easy. <laughs> I, I, was, I think with you it's a bit like you know people you probably see there's sort of programs where the you've got somebody who's going back who owns the company and the undercover boss mm-hmm. and they you know they find themselves maybe out sitting with a call center and making phone calls and they're absolutely terrified or they find themselves mm-hmm. going back and, uh, and maybe working behind a bar and serving food and yeah and it's one of those things isn't it that you you know you can get out of the habit of and not everybody really enjoys doing um, essentially nope. really get into it and it can be quite an uncomfortable place and I think that's why we've got you helping us actually because uh, you, we've, we're pretty experienced guys um, however we realised that we were avoiding picking up the phone we were hiding behind email yeah well I th- obviously the technology is really useful um, but I think that a lot of people kid themselves sometimes that by sending an email to somebody that task is ticked off and all they've really done is get it off of their desk and put the onus onto somebody else and they're waiting for them to respond whereas quite often a quick two three four minute conversation can actually move something forwards or draw a line under it and you don't have to worry about it anymore whereas there's a lot of salespeople that I come across that yeah blast out lots of emails and they typically are the ones that complained when GDPR came in and I just remind them that they brought it on themselves by spamming the world and expecting everybody to just respond to emails and not have to engage with people and and build rapport and credibility because that way you can do what we talked about uh, which is uh, what I would call wish list marketing going after the clients you want to deal with not just reacting to whatever comes in which is a lot, a lot of what most people tend to do when, when it comes to marketing is make lots of noise, deal with the inquiries. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, then, isn't it? About creating that that wish list about who you really want to work with, so you're you're not yeah. losing lots of your time focusing on areas that may not be profitable, perhaps for you. Yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong, I I respect people who are sat in call centres and and having to make back-to-back calls do minimum of four-hour call times or 100-plus calls every day, um, you've got to have some stamina for that. And I think that telemarketing, um, which is how it's seen, is usually seen as as an entry level position into the world of business and you a lot of people aspire then to become a field sales rep and go out and do the appointments that they're setting up next and then work their way up to become a manager um and it was always seen as a stepping stone to your next job whereas i think the the world has changed now attitudes have changed uh, in the professional space and there are quite a few people who make a very good career and living out of running and being in those departments and being a good performer um, being consistent getting results earning their bonuses but being able to switch off from it when they clock out at the end of the day um, and know that they've done a good job mm. yeah. but interesting what you said about the undercover boss it's it's one of the most common things I find is that the leaders aren't leading by example and it's very hard to I found from a training perspective if if one person's getting away with cutting corners other people feel well why can't I do that um so it's it's always good and like I say I like to get on the phone usually at the end of my training sessions but I always encourage managers that I'm working with their teams to kind of get involved in call clinics and power hours and roll up their sleeves and and kind Kind of show people that yeah I'm, I'm not just telling you to do this I, I can show you how and how to do it properly and as we discussed and you, you sort of alluded to in that introduction once you've got a clear structure of how where you're going to steer the conversation the thought process you want them to go through and the decision you want them to make at the end it's a simple step-by-step process it, it, you, it's not rocket science it's just using some good manners um, and being able to engage people into having that conversation and I love the phrase you used about having authentic conversation whereas a lot of people when they think they're making business calls think of it as pitching down the phone (laughs) and and that's where a lot of people go wrong and I think the reputation or the stigma around telemarketing has been building for years and years and probably why a lot of people resort to sending digital messages rather than picking up the phone because who wants to be seen as a cold caller so to speak yeah yeah I think I think um well, my, my mind's going to at the moment. I remember doing a program with a big bank, and I was helping them, their uh, sales, phone-based salespeople, to engage better with clients. And some of these clients have got multi-million-pound ISA portfolios and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what I found very interesting, I listened in on lots and lots of calls. Yeah, was there's a whole area of your business that if senior people aren't rolling the sleeves up and getting involved and being aware of that, actually, you just you're just giving over to a junior person to kind of handle often, often quite rudderless as well. I was quite, I was, I was amazed by how good one or two people were, but generally was quite shocked yeah. by, by how poor some of the conversations were and the ability to ask questions and listen. And yeah, uh, and to, you're absolutely right. And I think that there's almost a, um, a bit of a, a kind of analogy here, I suppose, but in like, they're saying like manufacturing in this country has, has kind of been on the decline. Well, personally, I think that it's because you you need less skilled workers in those environments now because they now have big machines that come in and do a lot of the manual or the precise work. And all they need is a machine operator, not an engineer, for example. 
Um, and it's just a similar thing, really. If 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 you don't keep sharpening your axe and 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 making sure you've still got the skills and showing the people who are struggling how to do it properly rather than just telling them um it's just a much easier way of of showing people that it's possible and getting over some of the fears that they've built up in their own head because quite often that's what i'm i'm dealing with it's usually some form of confidence issue around not wanting to come across as a salesperson or a cold caller or somebody who's perhaps not 100% confident in their product knowledge and are worried about being asked certain questions. Um, sometimes you have that that fear of rejection and that constant expectation that people are going to be rude to you and you, you're a bit more cautious and shy. Um, and that's what I try and do. And that's what I'm loving about sort of one-to-one coaching is you can kind of get inside people's head a little bit because once you understand how they think and how they feel it's much easier to give them baby steps and little things that will make a a, a subtle difference because all of those little things it's it's like you were saying about the bike um what makes the bike go faster what what little things can we do and i often say to people when we do training i'm not here to tell you you're doing anything wrong in fact i'm probably going to reassure you you're doing a lot of the right stuff but if there's one or two little nuggets in here that you can use, be it a certain phrase or a structure or, or something that will make your job easier or give you more success, then we can all learn. We can all get better. And I think that it's important to remind ourselves of that, even if we're at the top of the sales board or uh, we, we think we're the, the best of the best. Um, we, we can all do that a little bit better. I think, I think uh, one of the things I think that I've realized is that you know, some people do do enjoy having those conversations over the phone. And there's others that it makes their toes curl. And mm-hmm. I remember myself when I, I, I worked for a, a confectionery company and uh, was involved, had, had some sales training. And then within a couple of years, probably 18 months actually, I'd won the top sales award in the company. And mm-hmm. uh, and that was, you know, it was fantastic. So I thought I was quite good at uh, selling. And then when I actually set up my own business many years later yep. and had to pick up the phone, Mm-hmm. I realized I was really struggling and I realized that when I was in the company organization, I had other people making the calls for me. I was yep. just, I was just very practically going and, out and talking to people who like to talk to me and converting them. And I was yep. very good at that. But, um, and, but, and I assume you had the comfort of the credibility element because you had a badge on your back. That's a, a, a brand that people may have heard of, which people have heard, people have heard of Mars bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you have that, that coming up, um, as well. So, yeah, absolutely right. And I think it's uh, when you are part of your business, particularly if you're consulting and offering those sorts of services as opposed to the box shifting and and selling products, um, it's harder because you become part of the product or the service. And the bit that makes many of us cringe and make our toes curl is the bit when we get to the, the stage in the conversation where we have to tell them how good we are. Um, because it feels like we're blowing our own trumpet and that then we might come across arrogant or cocky or something along those lines. Um, so it, it's a tricky one. It's why I, the structure that I always give people is I can show you how to prove that you're credible without having to tell them that you're good. Let your clients speak for you and, and people will realize you've helped people like them before. Right, so here's a little challenge for you. We've got about three minutes to we go to commercial break. Um, can you just give, just give me sort of in a, in a sort of very top um, sort of step process how you recommend people go about selling effectively over the phone? And uh, if you've got a pen and a bit of a pen and paper, you want to go back and listen to this and just note them down. That might be 
might be a helpful way to to go with this. Um, but uh, Anthony, yeah, if you want to just I can, I'll give you the very quick version. There's three phases of a successful business or sales call in my mind um, that you need to go through. The first one is you need to build rapport. Um, and generally, I say you do this using good manners, uh, patience, so that you're capitalizing on the conversations people are ready to have and not trying to bulldoze into a conversation that they don't want to have with you right now. So build rapport is the first element. If they like you and trust you and you're being respectful, they'll listen to you. The next thing you need to do is establish a credibility. So share success stories, case studies uh, of existing clients that you've dealt with that you've helped that are similar to them. That proves you've helped people like them before um, and that potentially you can help them too. And then the final stage is you want to try and create some urgency offer as a result of this conversation, which for marketing people will say a call to action. But what I get people to do is to set up what I would call a, a, a range of test drives, ways that clients can have a little try before they buy have an experience of what it's like to work with you before signing the contract and it allows you to show off show them what you can do uh, and also demonstrate the value of what it is you can bring and in certain instances if you're in markets where budgets uh, aren't huge a little test drive that allows your client to make money off of your advice can often create a budget to come back and buy more um, and it's a great way of putting your money where your mouth is and and showing people this is what I, I this is what I can do to help give this a try and come back and let me know how it goes because that I always find is the most effective thing you can do is put your money where your mouth is. Excellent. Well, excellent. Well, I just um, what I would just like to say as well is that um, I, I decided to do something a little bit differently. Um, from in, into next year and then I've got a number of people that I really respect from all my 315 hours of interviews now and I just um, hand selected a few of those people to become um, a bit more involved with the show and uh, Anthony I really see as being the expert when it comes to selling over the phone so um, Anthony's now I'm going to have a relationship and I'm very happy to because I use Anthony's services and I really respect him to kind of endorse into others so you'll notice if you go to the, um, the show page the pink banner on there so at any point if you want to find out a little bit more about Anthony and his services just click on that banner and then you'll be able to go straight to, to his website and have a have a little look. Um, so after the break, we're going to go more into these sort of steps and, and have a look at the key components Anthony recommends. Uh, and again, I would recommend that you have a pen ready if this is of real interest to you because uh, there's a lot of information to cover. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America. 
America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm talking at the moment with the telephone assassin with uh, Anthony Steers. And we're talking about selling more over the phone. And before the break, we covered, you know, uh, some of the challenges with selling over the phone and why people maybe struggle with it and importance for senior people to be more aware of what's actually going on. Then we talked about some key steps and within the, broadly within those key steps was building rapport and uh, credibility through things like case studies and then creating a sense of urgency. And it might be, I don't know, um, Anthony, whether this is of, is of any help, but I don't mind you know, if you wanted to use a little bit of, of the example, which um, as an example, what we're working on, because it might be might be helpful just to understand the way that uh, you know we're structuring an offer at the moment, because um, because it links in because you're helping us with it at the moment. So yeah. just to briefly just mention to people that one of the things we're doing right now is we're uh, we're, we're, we're a big focus for us is engagement. We we love helping organisations develop engagement, and we've got a an amazing survey. Uh, which we can offer to people to do a whole free trial of their company. Uh, and then behind that, we can then um, analyze the information with them, have a look at it, and then put a proposal in to recommend a route, route forward. And um, so Anthony's helping us with that exercise at the moment. So I don't know, I just thought I'd mention that, Anthony, just in case it was helpful. And we can, we, I don't mind talking about things like our scorecard and that. Can I just bring to Yeah, life? I was going to say, if, if you're happy for me to do so, it, it, if we start at the beginning, because people often kind of go, well, well, where do you start? Um, with regards to who you're going to contact and how you're going to do it. Uh, and I always start well, by doing a bit of research and starting to set out a bit of a foundation first. So um, first thing um, that we did is, is I know that you're very credible and you've been doing what you've been doing for quite a while um, and you've got lots and lots of happy customers. So the first part that I got both you and John to do was to reach out to some of your past customers just to make sure you've got some written feedback from them of what it was like to work with you and what the results were um, uh, after you left and they implemented your advice and, and the, the processes and the systems and things like that. Because um, one, this basically is your ammunition. The bit I talked about before the break about building credibility is using case studies and testimonials from past clients to say, well, look, this is what I did with these guys who are similar to you. This is what they said afterwards. Um, and you guys literally reached out to a few people on, on LinkedIn um, and very quickly started to gather up um, some great testimonials. Uh, but even going back to people who wrote you a lovely thank you email a few months ago or even a couple of years ago, 
that said thanks for doing this but you just got them to make it a bit more official so that they added it to your LinkedIn profile so that people can see it when they come and check you out because obviously in this world new world of social media people don't just check out your company they will often check you out as an individual as well so it's important to get those uh, those testimonials on your LinkedIn profile as well as on your website um, and one thing that I know that, that you found Chris is is once somebody's written your recommendation as it's called on LinkedIn um, all of their connections are going to see um, a notification that says they've written something nice about Chris and a bit like an email most people will ignore it but a handful will go and have a click and, and have a read and if you're lucky one or two gets all the way to the bottom and goes wow this guy sounds good and they'll click on your picture and as most of us are prepared to admit we're, uh, we're we are slightly vain with LinkedIn and we look at who's been looking at us but we can then start to see if a second level connection to somebody who's just written you a testimonial is peeking at your profile um, it's I personally think and, and I know you guys have used this too, it's a good reason to pick up the phone and say, look, I, I notice you're having a little look and you're connected with these guys. Just wanted to check that, did you read what they wrote about me? So reinforcing that good news story um, and just using that as a bit of an icebreaker, connecting with them, um, mentioning the fact that you've got case studies and other things that you might be able to share and alluding to the fact that you might be able to offer them a little test drive if they want to have a little taster to see what you can do. And it almost becomes a bit of a no-brainer. Um, so for you guys, you, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, obviously, from a, an engagement perspective, Chris, you're one of the masters when I hear that word. I, I tend to think, think of you. Um, but I don't think everybody always collects all of that collateral that you've worked so hard for because you feel a bit cheeky or embarrassed potentially about asking a client. But bear in mind, your clients know that you're in business and they know how reputation works. So I don't think anybody that you spoke to had any issue in sharing. They were actually very glad to, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were actually. And I, th and I think uh, I suppose what is quite nice is when they're writing it, they're thinking about you. And uh, mm -hmm. you're often quite surprised, I think, what people really do think about you and, uh, and how warmly. Yep. It's quite um, quite a nice nice exercise, really. Yeah. And with particularly what um, you guys are doing, um, you, you alluded to the um, the survey model that will help people identify uh, engagement levels with their staff within the company. Um, you'll have some clients who go, "Oh, wow, that's interesting. Can I take a closer look at that?" Um, so you'll even find that old customers become repeat customers who come back again or weren't too aware of things that might have been changing in in the, the the systems that you guys now have access to because this is a relatively new um i know it, it's um you guys have the license for it over in the uk um but this as far as i'm concerned i know that you've personally vouched for the fact that you think that this is the most accurate system for measuring staff engagement that's right, right? that's right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right. we're, we're, we're partner of the company so we can uh, we we the 11 million pounds has been invested on it which uh um, yeah. As I don't have a spare eleven million pounds in my bank account, <laughs> um, I've not, not created my own. But why not when there's something that's been amazing yeah. that's been been created? So we 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 offer that. Um, there's another actually another actual link banner on the show site if anyone's interested. Click on the engagement multiplier link and you can you can see that. But I, I think um, what I found um, and uh, that I really liked as well about your process because there's a number of sort of steps in it where I think it's helped become. A more motivating process for us to do has been because you've created like a point system that we've talked about. So we we actually we actually get points for going 
you know, certain stages through the process, not just um, feeling only good when we've actually, uh, you know, converted somebody to a client. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think that this is one thing that I'm certainly trying to change in the industry and particularly with the managers is the the KPIs or the metrics that people tend to apply to monitoring telephone activity usually boils down to three main areas. It's the number of dials or number of calls that you've made. Um, then they look at the number of appointments or quotations you've been able to do as a result of it. And then the final thing is, well, how much did you close and how many deals did you do? Um, and they're all logical things, I think, to measure. My problem is, is, is one doesn't really have a direct correlation with the other because um, the number of calls you make, if you made 50 outbound calls tomorrow, uh, obviously it's Saturday, but let's say it's a working day tomorrow and you book two appointments, that doesn't mean if you made 100 calls the following day, you would book four appointments. It just doesn't work like that. So sometimes you end up with this notion and this sort of old fashioned saying about sales is a numbers game. Well, yeah, sales is a numbers game. But it, in my mind, it's it's not as old fashioned as it used to be. It's not about getting past the nose and dealing with the rejection. It's actually about capitalizing on the conversations people are ready to have in my mind. So I think a lot of people who are a bit more aggressive or take this, throw enough mud at the wall and some of it will stick, literally reel off a script um, to 99 people who hang up in the hope that eventually the 100th one will go, oh, all right, send me an email or give me a quote. And that's why I think staff churn in those departments is so high across all companies. It's one of the highest. And I've been asking a lot of my clients um, uh, about this and inquiries. And it's why I'm now introducing you to so many of the companies that I work with, because I try and get them away from trying to tell their team that, that sales is all about getting past rejection, because it's not anymore. Um, you, you do need a bit of a thick skin, um, but you need to bear in mind that your phone call interrupts somebody else's day um, what you want to uh, talk to them about may not be at the top of their priority list and you need to patiently wait until they're ready um, and if you don't force conversations with people you don't end up burning through your leads or your data so quickly try getting no's from people who are distracted or in the middle of something else and and you've rudely blurted into a pitch as soon as they've answered the phone <laughs> which which i think is what a lot of a lot of people do but you, you're absolutely right point system is something that i do with everybody and if it's all right with you chris i might just share a really quick um sort of generic example so mm. that the listeners can pick up what we're at what we're talking about but also then tailor it to their own business as well um so to give you an idea what i, I try and do is break down each step within your sales cycle into a point that takes them right through to identifying who the right person is to talk to, right through to not only delivering work or a product, but getting a testimonial out the back of it and potentially a referral as well. So the way that you would do that is, for example, you'd start off and to score one point, you need to figure out who is the right person to speak to. So if you were uh, proactively doing lead generation, you might go on to LinkedIn and a good little tip here is we talked about gathering up those case studies and those testimonials. Um, if you look for people with the same job title in a similar type of company, you probably find that they're the best person to share that success story with. Because, for example, sometimes I'm dealing with the sales manager or a director. Um, other times it's a HR manager or an L&D director. And they all use slightly different language. And even if the industries aren't the same, 
I always try and match up the job position of the person who wrote it with the person I want to share it with because that generally uh, has the most impact. So for one point, you could just do some clicking around on LinkedIn and collect some names. Problem is, is if you want to get to a second point, you actually need to talk to them and double check that they are actually the right person to speak to. Uh, and bear in mind, I am slightly biased on this, but Chris, you know I'm quite stern with this because I know it works. In my mind, if you send them an email or leave them a voicemail and they've got no idea who you are and are not expecting your call, that, in my mind, is worth minus one point. You will mm-hmm. decrease the chances of them taking your call by leaving the messages and sending them emails purely because they will start to build almost a negative association or there's a high chance they will build a, a negative association with your name. And it means that when you try again, they go, oh, yes, that's familiar. I haven't spoken to them. Is that because they're chasing me? Oh, God, do I want to talk to this person? And just anything that might put a, a slight spanner in the works, you don't want to do. But fundamentally, your second point is just talking to that right person. Okay. Um, and in some instances, they'll say, now isn't a good time. Could you call me next week? And you just have to say, yep, no worries at all. What day's best for you? Okay, morning or afternoon. Let me pop that in the diary now. Okay. I would rather do that 10 times with somebody over three months and wait for them to be ready to have a proper conversation than I would bulldoze into a conversation just so I can deliver my pitch because I know I'm not going to get what I want. But in that first conversation, what you're really trying to do is, obviously, we're going to use a bit of manners here at this this first part of the stage. So you've got to get permission to speak at the beginning of the call, but we'll talk about that um, shortly. Um, But once you are talking to them, you then need to establish your credibility. And all you really want to do, and my analogy is, you need to make it feel like you're dropping off a pizza menu, which is... Um, we all get takeaway menus put through our letterbox, but none of us really have had them knock on your door and ask to take an order because that would be very rude and presumptuous. Um, so the the introduction that I often use with people is I say, hello there, this is my name and, and this is the company that I work for. We do this, but I'm assuming you're not looking for this right now. And I always lead with the most common objection, which is you're probably not looking for what we do right now. And generally you'll get a, you're absolutely right. No, we're not. But we might be at this point as opposed to uh, phoning up, doing a little elevator pitch and them going, no, 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 we're not looking for this right now. Because then you have to overcome that objection, which is technically arguing. Um, And if you put the objection on the table first, it makes them realize that you are just dropping off a pizza menu. There's no expectation of trying to. Um, sell to them or, or, or close a, a deal or a meeting you're just getting on their radar so that when they are hungry for your services they can get back in touch um, but fundamentally your third point is you dropping off your pizza menu which to be very clear is the dropping off of the pizza menu is in the conversation itself not in what you're going to email them afterwards. And the thing you're going to email them afterwards is a couple of case studies that prove your credibility and possibly even a tip sheet as well. Useful, the five do's and don'ts of whatever it is you do. And I know, Chris, you found that particularly useful. You had somebody who still carries around uh, one of these things you've given them, right? Well, yeah, actually, um, I I had somebody this morning as well that I I, I called who had had given me a card at an event and where they'd seen me speak and it was quite interesting in that it wasn't actually a tip sheet it was something we did in this example was something we did in the event but I was quite surprised when I asked the questions you know is, is this a good time to talk right now and he said actually we've got quite a lot going on today but no it's a good time to, I'm happy to spend uh, time talking to you and, uh, and then he started telling me how this uh, particular 
a tool that we'd done to identify your int- key intentions. He was had been carrying around ever since the event. Um, yeah. So you know these things I know are, are helpful. So I think if we can provide those sorts of uh, things as part of the sales process too, that people oh that's really helpful and useful. I, I'll carry that around with me. I'll put it on the wall. Um, yeah. it, it's, it adds that extra bit of connection, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly does. Certainly does. So, and and it was one of those things where it was a um, somebody where you 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 didn't really know what was going to happen as a result of this conversation, but yeah. you thought I could send him an email, but I could just pick up the phone and and as you've kind of proved, if he's if they're in your network already uh, and they know you and respect you for what it is you do, um, leveraging our existing network is usually a good starting point because you'll be humbled at how many people are like, well, actually, yeah, I am busy, but. For you, I've got five, ten minutes. Yeah, let's chat. I, I, I see you online all the time because people will see that you're active on social media. Um, and actually to get a call from Chris Cooper, it's like, oh, yeah, wow, he's bothered to phone me. I'm going to capitalize on this because I know I'm going to get some value out of the call as well. It's uh, well, it's nice that you say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to the points and just really quickly. So the first point is establishing who the right person is to talk to. Your second point is for actually talking to them. Your third point is them agreeing for you to drop off your pizza menu. And just to clarify, it is in the phone call itself, but you're then going to send them an email with a couple of attachments. Okay. And 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 all email should be, in my mind, is a paper trail of the conversations that you've had. Okay. Not the thing that's going to try and deliver the message. Okay, um, but you then send them uh, the the email for your next point, and uh, that's usually the end of the first call. Your following point is then uh, usually following up to make sure the email came through and got through their spam filter. I always ask if if it's a if it got through the spam filter, not if they read it, just in case they haven't. Um, uh, and then once you know they've got it, your fifth point is your, or your next point is usually then, well, look, why don't I offer you a test drive and I can show you what we can do? And that just moves them into the next phase of you being able to get your foot in the door, have a little go at fixing a problem for them and demonstrating your expertise and the value that you bring um, and a great link into into whetting their appetite to come back for more or writing you a glowing testimonial for the little bit that you managed to do with them. Excellent. Well, quite, quite, a lot, quite a lot in there. Just before, we've got one minute left, but you talk there about a pizza menu. Um, I, presumably, you're meaning your version of... Uh, the key products and services that you offer is that what, what exactly do you mean there? So the the analogy i always give is that your phone call should feel like you're dropping off a pizza menu not knocking on their door to take an order so it's less of a physical document of all of your products and services and pricing um it, it's more about getting on their radar um so that when they are hungry for your services they know why they should get back to you and and uh, got your details I've got you. Okay, so you're you're not trying to like close something very quickly. You're 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 building this, nurturing this relationship. Yes. Uh, so people sort of trust is developed during the process. Exactly, um, and it's it's about cultivating relationships rather than closing sales. Excellent. Well, that sounds a great way to finish this um, this segment. After the break, we'll talk a bit more about uh, things like test drives as well, and uh, uh, and we'll also talk about things like how do you. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about um, about you and the, the way that you help people. But we'll, we'll 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 conclude this kind of process and and the thinking so that hopefully we can all understand uh, this methodology to enable us to sell much more effectively over the phone while also uh, not fearing it quite so much because that's I think that's a, a key aspect as well. So we're back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi there, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Anthony Steers. We're talking about uh, selling more over the phone. And uh, before the break, I think Anthony was talking to us about uh, about case studies, about um, scorecard and, and creating a system whereby you're giving yourself points uh, for going through the process because what we're trying to do here is we're trying to uh, develop we're, we're developing a relationship we're not trying to um, sell somebody a pizza right now or whatever it is you're selling <laughs> we're just trying to introduce ourselves uh, to them and uh, then you know, move that forward so that we can then have another com- another conversation so Anthony we've um, we've given people some maybe some case studies we may have sent those across to them already uh, mm-hmm. we have um, We've, we've been very mindful that we're having conversations with people at a productive time when it's right for them, when they're mm-hmm. ready to have that conversation, as opposed to forcing ourselves on, uh, on, on us, yep. um, on other people. And uh, we've, we've had this conversation, which gives them a sense of, of what we kind of do. The next thing is, I think we need to make sure that we, we have in the diary um, a you know, a, a meeting, I suspect, or either over the phone or face-to-face, how do you yeah. best ensure that that actually happens? <laughs> that something goes, that happens as a result of the first call? Um, yeah, absolutely right. And uh, quite often what a lot of people find, and, and co- more common, I think, with inquiries, is you'll get an initial inquiry or you'll talk to somebody, you'll meet somebody new, they'll be very excited about what you can do. You're excited that you can help them. You spend time and effort doing a proposal and then they go quiet on you, don't return your call and you think, oh my God, what's happened? Um, this is what 
I like to refer to as pipeline constipation. Uh, it happens all over the place. I speak to a lot of people where this is a bit of an issue. And it's a really simple thing that kind of answers your question, which is how do you make sure something happens next or that they, they take your call next time, is at the end of every call or every conversation that you have, um, you should be taking final responsibility for the next time you're going to speak to this person. So if as part of your process, um, you, you're going to offer them a test drive where you're going to do a sample bit of work, but perhaps you need them to fill out a questionnaire first, what I would be saying to them at the end of that call is fantastic. Well, I will send you the questionnaire this afternoon. You guys have a look at it and fill it, fill it in and get it back to me by Friday. But I'll make a note that if we haven't, if I haven't got it from you by two o'clock on Friday, let's book a group call in now and I will talk you through and help you fill it out so that we get it ticked off and off your desk. Yeah. Um, and by getting that next conversation in the diary and you taking ownership for it, it just stops things going cold um, and just means that people are more likely to fill you in if there's a spanner in the works and some the situation has changed. Because that is often the case as well, that people don't come back to you, not because they're going to give you bad news, but usually because they've got no news. Um, and they're almost embarrassed that nothing has happened. Um, and and that's why quite often it's quiet and, and we often fear the worst um, or we're ignorantly optimistic and we're putting it in our pipeline for next month's figures when we're oblivious to actually what's going on, um, yeah. which which can be the, the problem side of it. So, so one of the things I think, you know, through our, our conversation that was was helpful, unfortunately we've got, we've got the methodology to do that is is this idea of a test drive is being is offering something where people can test your service at no cost and no risk to themselves yeah and uh, therefore uh, you know we we've, we've able to offer this survey for a whole company and to do it for free and then to look at the results with somebody before we then and i think it's um it's a sensible way isn't it to think about what what actually can you offer whether it's I don't know if you're a coach, it's, it's um, you know, two hours of free coaching or, uh-huh. or whatever it may be. There needs to be something in there that actually makes, I think, as your process does, nurtures that relationship and then takes it, you know, another step forward in terms of trust. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it just allows you to demonstrate generosity and skill. I suppose. Um, and I often deliberately use the phrase and get my clients to use the phrase of, well, let me put my money where my mouth is. Why don't I just do this for you? And for me, um, obviously, I do quite a bit of training and people, even when they book me to speak, want to change people's behaviors um, on the phone. So what I do is, is quite often I'll, I'll suggest a group video call on Skype or Zoom or something, um, ask them to bring along whatever their biggest challenges or frustration or the most common objection. Um, and I just give them a few tips and show them either how to get around it or stop it coming up. And I do it on a basis that there's a there's a, a bit of a gentleman's agreement and quite often I, I will invoice people for zero value when I do this, but there's a, a mutual, well, look, I'm, I'm going to go this extra mile with you on the basis that you, uh, in two weeks' time, uh, let me know what you've implemented and what, what difference you've noticed um, because quite often if I was to invoice somebody and say, well, normally this 45-minute call should cost you £450 for a, a, a test drive or a problem-solving session. Um, but on the basis that you give me written feedback within 14 days, uh, I will 
which will charge you zero and it creates a bit of urgency and it stops people taking the mickey and and wanting more and more test drives and and more and more free stuff um but it's a great way of getting your foot through the door and you mentioned about that chap who kept that thing from the the event that you spoke at when you're doing expos and big business events and big networking things where there's lots of footfall tip sheets are really useful because it, it stops you from having to have a 10 20 minute conversation with each individual but it's something that they can take away and if they can find some value in it the likelihood is is they're going to want to come back for more um but there are different stages of test drives so like you say um you've got this great survey that you can allow people to do um which is great in itself but the even bigger added value is the fact that in certain instances you personally and john will give up the time to do a bit of translation of what this report means now a lot of people will be able to gather the gist of what this report is saying but it's your expertise in knowing the challenges that leaders have uh, and that teams have as well that allow you to not only see what the problem is that's being identified but have sensible implementable strategies that people can then implement as a result of this knowing that their that effort and resource is is being wide wisely used and not just stabbing in the dark and hoping that this is going to make everybody feel happier or more productive um so uh one, one tip i would give around the test drive element is in some instances try and make them feel a little bit exclusive like what you're going to do for them is not the standard that everybody else would get but i like chatting to you i feel like it help you why don't i do this for you um and it's just a good way of of building that friendship with people and and being the 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 first and it's that givers gain type quote that if you're the first to be generous and, and in fact it part of that advice interestingly came from a mentor that i had early on a guy called steve clark who i know you know quite well mm. and he was challenged by somebody because he does a lot of sales training stuff as well which was um they went so steve why are you giving your best tips away for free on your website that makes no sense and he just looked back all confused and he went well what am i supposed to do give them my rubbish stuff and then see if they want to come back for more and it just the whole room just kind of laughed and it just seemed like that genius thing some of us are quite precious and protective about our ip or our software or showing people stuff but you want to impress people show them what you do don't tell them um that's that's the way to get people's attention and, and demonstrate value and like i say in a lot of instances if you can demonstrate a return on investment that could help fund the next stage that you have for them it becomes a foolproof plan a plan almost why wouldn't people want to take you take you up on having that that survey and getting a bit of time if possible with you to give them some ideas of how to implement and 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 measure going forwards but make the biggest impact with the lowest effort or, or resource i suppose from a budget or time perspective depending on what the issue is i want to just ask you a question now about really about phone-based selling in in you know we've got this all of these sort of customer service centers and call centers around around the world where people are on the phones selling and sharing hopefully services mm-hmm. Uh, rather than trying to con or trick people, because I do uh, get some of those calls where I feel that, that the people that are less than scrupulous on the other end of it, and they don't usually last very long. Yes, uh, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. what, what, how do you think um, people should be measuring the, the success of of their sales teams? 
Um, well, I think it kind of goes back to that point system thing we were talking about earlier on. So I do a lot of extra um, or ongoing accountability with clients and teams after my training. Um, and fundamentally, what I get them to measure or I target them on is that their sales cycle points. How many points have you been scoring? So the, the example that I gave earlier on has probably only got seven, eight, nine points to it, for example. It's a nice straightforward one. But I've um, been working with a cybersecurity company and they've got a 26 point sales cycle service before they've even delivered any work. Okay, because there's two very important calls and, and, and a questionnaire that needs to happen in the middle of that. And the reason I would measure and target on points is points mean prizes. If they're scoring points, they're moving people closer to the point of saying yes and you guys getting paid from it. Okay, but the, the other thing of doing this is that you can start to see where people's strengths and weaknesses are. So if, if I can see that there's a bottleneck in the process, um, I know specifically what element you're, you'd be getting stuck on and therefore can give you some very specific and targeted advice. Or if you're working in a team where well, you could play off each other's strengths and go, well, actually, Chris, you're fantastic at opening the door and getting information out and building credibility, but not so assertive when it comes to closing uh, and getting a meeting. If John, ha if John was showing those strengths, then I'd be saying, Chris, you open the door, John, you close it. Um, and, and actually, um, that that's what I would be measuring because I promise you, if they are scoring points and you've got this set up properly, the money will follow. And if they're qualifying good leads into the pipeline, you don't even need to close. They will close themselves. And, and that's why I often tell a, a story and I'll give you the very fast version. In my last proper job, I had to do a psychometric test and it says I can't close. It says I can't do a sales close. It doesn't suit my personality. And when I was challenged on it, I kind of smirked and smiled and said, well, yeah, it's probably right. In fact, I'm rubbish at selling. I'm just very good at helping customers to buy. And mm -hmm. they, tore, they tore up this psychometric test and, and said that was a waste of time. You start on Monday. And, and I share that with a lot of people because being good at sales is not about being good at selling. It's about being passionate and helping customers to buy. Because like I say, it will always be a numbers game, but it's about capitalizing on the conversations people are ready to have. The rest is just cultivating relationships. Anthony, it's a brilliant way to end there. I, I, I hope you've enjoyed being on again today. It's been a pleasure to talk I, with you, as always. I have loved it, and it's the time has flown by, and I'm sorry if I've gone off on tangents, but I love chatting with you, Chris. And, yeah, I hope the listeners have found this stuff useful, and, and if they can implement some of this stuff and try it out, I'd love to hear from them. Fantastic. Well, if you want to get in touch with Anthony, um, you can go to his website by clicking on the pink banner on, uh, on the, my Voice America show page. Um, or, or go to anthonysteers.co.uk. Uh, Anthony can help you with um, with your um, sales phone-based uh, sort of development. Uh, and actually, if you're interested in the, um, if you've got a company which is over over 20 people in size, and you're you're caring and you're brave and you want to really understand what, what engagement is like across your organisation, go and click on the engagement multiplier banner on the show site. Um, or um, drop me an email at chris at chriscooper.co.uk and we can have a conversation with you about um, about that survey. It, do, you do, it does need to be English speaking though. Um, so um, when we can, that will trigger to, to take it from there. Uh, on next week's show, I'm going to we've got we've got the wonderful Christmas period coming up over here. So taking a little bit of time off, we've got um, to repeat the show with Jutta Kleinschmidt. Um, Jutta was the first lady to win the Dakar Rally. Fantastic uh, interview, uh, an amazing lady. And the following week um, will be uh, a repeat of the the third most listened to show over the last um, year. 
which was uh, when I was interviewed about leading people. Uh, that will be the following week. Any questions, comments, come to Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, also check out anthonysteers.co.uk. Uh, once again, um, brilliant to talk with you, Anthony, and I wish everybody listening well. And if you uh, listen to this and you think it's helpful to other people, then do please uh, share it across with them. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.